Twitter. I'm Isaac Fitzgerald. He is Sai Jones. Aww. <laughs> it's Tuesday and you are watching AM to DM. All right, friends, here's a tweet from BuzzFeed News. The SEC says Elon Musk should be held in contempt for violating a settlement agreement after he, quote, once again published inaccurate and material information about Tesla to his over 24 million Twitter followers. Once Again. I was about Not to say. Not the first time. Uh-huh. This is legalese for that bitch I said. <laughs> if you did it one more time. Legalese for her my first team. But if you totally, had actually read that's totally Also, it. I just want to remind everyone that this is who Jack brought up. Like a, a week ago. In a recent interview saying he thinks he's one of the people that uses uh, Twitter the best. Um, we're talking about somebody that's getting himself in a lot of trouble, messing up the money. Jake Swearinger had this yep. to say. The most relatable <laughs> thing about Elon Musk is his inability to stop tweeting despite the severe personal and professional penalties it brings down upon him. And to be clear, same. Same. I'm like, is that the most relatable thing? I keep I keep tweeting. I keep tweeting despite <laughs> the personal and professional problems that it brings down upon me. <laughs> different levels of money, mind yeah, you. Yeah, like what's going on? What's different some legal problems? Different different levels of you money. You get paid to tweet. What's his excuse? <laughs> is that how you feel? You feel like you get paid to tweet? I mean, it's, I would argue if I just stopped tweeting, I think uh, our producers here would have a word <laughs> with me at some point. No, I mean, it's, it is kind of wild. I mean, I will say as a Sagittarius, mm. I relate to, and I don't know if he is as well, but like telling me not to do something is often a good way to get me to Get you to do something. To Absolutely. Do um, don't use that against me, friends. Um, but I don't know. Trump does this. Uh-huh. You know, uh-huh. Where, I'm sure, you know, there have been different points. I mean, his former chief of staff, right, was like trying to rein in the Remember chief. when that was like the big thing in like 27, like getting the phone away from him? Everyone was waiting for somebody to take away his phone. Trying to change the Remember password. Remember those days? Yeah, I don't. Actually, <laughs> I was blacked out for all of 2017. Um, and then, you know, Kanye, I think, is another example of like, just like need Needless L's. Like, I, I don't think anyone was like, hey, Kanye, what do you think about slavery? <laughs> just like, just like, what? Just what? putting it out there. Yeah. That's so. it. I feel like we all have those days. Just not that the SEC then comes after us. Fair. <laughs> I mean, I would say, I don't know. The co- what's, what are the common denominator? Well, they're all men. Mm. They're all incredibly wealthy. Mm. Mm. Uh, you know, mm. they're all straight. So mm. there's, there's something mm. that, I don't know, just, you know, read into that as you will. Um, but let's take it to the timeline, friends. What's something you know you should not do, but keep doing? That's very relatable. You yeah, know. that's all I'm saying. You know, married men, I don't know. Let, let us know your thoughts using the hashtag AM to DM. AM to DM? Isn't there something you wanted to quit, but you can't? Yeah, uh, you know, men, like, why are we doing this? It's, it seems like a bad idea, just throwing that out there. Anyway, uh, here's a tweet from Casey Newton. That's my problem, not your problem, friends. Uh, he tweeted, Today I want to tell you what it's like to be a content moderator for Facebook at its site in Phoenix, Arizona. It's a job that pays just $28,800 a year, but can have lasting mental health consequences for those who do it. Wow. Casey Newton, editor and reporter at The Verge, joins us now. Good morning, Casey. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Pretty good. Doing well. Uh, first, can you explain who these moderators are, as well as the company they technically work for? 
That's right. Well, so about two years ago, uh, Facebook was under a lot of pressure to increase its content moderation in response to various uh, problems that were unfolding around the world. So they decided that they were going to hire 15,000 content moderators. But instead of bringing them all in-house, they were going to rely on a bunch of contractors who you know, are good at sort of finding cheap labor around the world. And so in this particular case, uh, the site that I wrote about is managed by a company called Cognizant. Uh, which is a big outsourcing company that employs something like 270,000 people doing various jobs, uh, a lot of which look like these ones. Yeah. What is the, and and it is confusing, I feel, as an everyday person, um, you know, like, are these Facebook employees or not? What is the average workday like for these employees? We mentioned their salary. Um, Are they, like, living the luxe life, I think, as we assume many Facebook employees are? So they're not. uh, They're not actually Facebook employees. They're cognizant employees. And while Facebook does do a handful of things to make them feel sort of like they work at Facebook, like, for example, by hanging up similar motivational posters on the wall, their workday looks completely different. Their time is managed down to the second. They need to click a Chrome extension every time they want to use the bathroom. As far as the work itself, uh, they're looking at hundreds of posts a day their job is to decide whether or not they make they uh, meet Facebook's community standards, but those standards themselves are changing almost every single day. So it's what I've come to view as highly skilled labor, and it's being paid as if these folks are handling customer service calls from a Best Buy. Mm. Yeah, and I love the idea of, oh, they get the same posters. It's like, what we love is the same benefits. Um, <laughs> Casey, I just... Why does Facebook choose to outsource this work? This seems like something you would want these people really close to HQ so that you could be in constant conversation with them. It's a great question. And when I asked Facebook, the company said that by using outsourcing firms, it's easier for them to set up shop all around the world, particularly in countries where it might not have another office, right? So there are a lot of countries where Facebook doesn't have uh, a lot of employees who speak the local language, for example. So that's kind of the official story. But the other big reason, which I point out in the story, is just the massive cost savings. So the average Facebook employee, I should say the median Facebook employee, takes home an annual compensation, which is salary, stock, bonuses, of $240,000 a year. Uh, meanwhile, Facebook can get away with paying these contractors about 28800 So Facebook is a lot more profitable as a company because it doesn't bring these folks in-house. Yeah, but you know, I do love a good poster. I do love a good poster, <laughs> Casey. Uh, here's something else you tweeted. Because here's the thing. I think, you know, for people who have not read the story, you think content moderation, what is it? Guys, these people are looking at the violent, the disturbing, the illegal content we are not supposed to see, and it has consequences. So, Casey, you tweeted this. Employees have begun to embrace the fringe, the fringe viewpoints of the videos and memes that they are supposed to moderate. Uh, the Phoenix site is home to a flat earther a Holocaust denier, uh, a former employee told me that he no longer believes 9-11 was a terrorist attack. And those are just those are just three examples based on your reporting. So I wanted to ask you, you know, from what you've seen and the people you've talked to, how can moderating this kind of dark, troubling content change the way people think? 
Yeah. So, you know, after I published my story, I actually heard from uh, an academic researcher who said that um, she herself had found a, a similar experience when she was researching uh, misinformation and disinformation. Um, you know, our minds are, are super plastic. And so if you stare at something long enough, you're likely to come to believe it. You know, I spoke to somebody who said that um, when she watched her 15th Alex Jones InfoWars video, uh, he said something that made sense to her and it freaked her out because she had sort of, uh, you know, she, she'd been trying to keep her wits about her and trying to make sure that she didn't, you know, get taken down a rabbit hole. And all of a sudden she herself was kind of starting to believe in these views. So it seems like it's a really underexplored aspect of being a content moderator. And of course, the scary thing is you might only do this job for eight months, 10 months, but then, you know, these new beliefs that you have could last for a lot longer. Wow. can last a lot longer and have a big impact on your life. What are some of the ways in which the people you spoke with kind of cope with this job? And just a couple of examples of the types of things they see in their day-to-day job. Yeah, yeah so um, look, a lot of the content that gets reported is relatively benign. It's people, you know, saying bad words to each other. But uh, with, with some great frequency, folks are seeing uh, extremely violent content, um, videos of murders posted by drug cartels or ISIS, a lot of graphic sexual content, child exploitation, stuff that sort of makes people uh, feel like they need to step away from their desk. Um, and that, you know, in some cases can leave them with, with PTSD or PTSD-like symptoms. You know, as far as how they cope, um, you know, the official ways to cope are um, Facebook brings a couple of dogs to the office a couple of times a month uh, for employees to pet them. Um, but while the dogs aren't around, uh, folks are smoking weed on their breaks and then moderating the content while they're high. Um, they're having sex in the stairwells, in the mother's room, in the parking garage. Um, and uh, they're also telling a lot of really uh, offensive jokes. Um, a lot of the content that they moderate is racist. And so what I was told is like, whatever your ethnicity or religious minority might be, if you're a content moderator, people will kind of send you like <laughs> racist or, you know, anti-religious jokes directed at your minority as a way to be like, you know, LOL, look at this. Um, so it's, it's really dark stuff. And one person I talked to who is kind of a double minority told me that he himself like really enjoyed receiving these jokes for a time, um, but then became really concerned concerned about the long-term effect that they were having on, on his psyche and, and how he viewed himself. Yeah. And looking at it over and over again. Well, listen, after your piece was published, Facebook released a statement saying, content moderation can be difficult work, but it is necessary to keep Facebook safe. We appreciate everyone who does it, and that's why we work closely with all our partners to demand a high level of support for all reviewers. There was a much longer statement as well, but I gotta ask you, Casey, did they ever actually answer the question, why they outsource this type of work? Um, you know, th- it, it is something that they have spoken to before, but uh, th- I think the, the discussion they do not want to have is uh, the question that you asked earlier, Saeed, which is why don't you just bring these people in-house, right? They do not want to have to have a conversation about paying these people $60,000 a year instead of thirty. Um, and it will be interesting to see in, in the weeks ahead as uh, myself and others continue this kind of reporting, whether they might feel pressured to do more of that. All right. Well, Casey, uh, really, thank you for doing this work. It's really important. Uh, thanks for joining us. My pleasure. 
And if you didn't re- see it yesterday, because it did really take over the timeline, but definitely take time to read the full piece today. It, uh, it's, it's really horrible. Yeah, I just think of, like, you know, I, I remember uh, when uh, Saddam Hussein was executed, and I remember watching that video, um, you know, as a high school student, and it was like, huh. And I've seen, like, a video like that one time in my life, you know, and since then I've made a point to avoid that kind of content. So just having a job where you're seeing that kind of stuff, you know, several times in an hour, you know, in a shift is... You saw it once and you carry it with you for the rest of your days. Well, listen, we've got another great show for you. I'm sitting down with Casey Wilson of Happy Endings fame. I'm so excited to talk to her. And Saeed will be talking with Monique and her husband, Sidney Hicks. Yeah, and to that point, I've got a lot of questions for both of them. Do you tweet me your questions for Monique and Sidney Hicks using the hashtag am to dm We're going to talk about Black Hollywood, business, Steve Harvey, a lot going on. There's going to be a conversation, (laughs) but first, it's Fire Tweets. Ooh. Like I don't. Fire! Fire! Welcome back. Let's get into these fire tweets. Benjamin, you tweeted, my four-year-old has recently taken up cursing. Yesterday, he referred to bedtime as a fucking crisis. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's not just taking up cursing. That's also taking up dramatic statements. Maturity? Uh, analysis? <laughs> critical thinking? He has a future in being a talking head. Welcome, friend. Welcome, friend. Uh, I want to take this to the timeline. Tell us about a time you got in trouble for cursing as a kid. Let us know using the hashtag AN to DM because I have a very specific memory of, I think I was like in middle school, um, I... <laughs> asked my mom about cursing. I was like, can I curse? Mm-hmm. I, just, I don't know. Um, and she was like, yeah, just like, get, sure, whatever. And I think she thought I was asking if I could just say one curse word. In front of just her. Just to see what it felt like. And yeah. I immediately started going, shit, fuck, damn, bitch. Like every curse word I could think of. And I was like looking, I remember like looking at my feet and I was just let it out, let it out, let it out. And I looked up and she was like horrified and it was great. You didn't get smacked? No, because it, it was like so bizarre. mama loved you. All right. Jalen Scott, you tweeted, why did everyone play the recorder in fourth grade? What were they training us for? It's a, good, it's a very, a very good question. Was it like to learn the flute? No, the rec- no, but like, what were they training us for? Was that preparation? I don't know, man. That's the question. But we all did learn. What if it's a secret alien something or other? A little video game that you got to play? I don't know. What, did, what oh is it? Oh, my goodness. Let's get to this next tweet. It comes from Sexy Mama. You tweeted, uh, you get a little job and your parents think you make $5,000 a week. Mm. <laughs> Mm. <laughs> or you go into poetry and that never happens. You know, <laughs> that is never an assumption. Uh, <laughs> never get an email that's like, hey, Ooh. so uh, just saying, like, I could use a vacation. I don't know how things are going. That's how it works. No, not that's how not, it works. not how it works. Ooh. Nolan tweeted, me, CVS Pharmacy. Nolan, you have eight days to pick up your medication or you are going to jail. Yeah. Now this, I needed this one explained to me. This is a thing. Shout out to, you know, uh, people who go to CVS. Uh, shout out to Prep, Truvada. Uh, yeah, they get pretty persistent with the notifications. They don't like your prescriptions just sitting. It's I mean, scary. isn't that good? Yes. Okay. <laughs> CVS, I want to fix the long receipts before, like, I want more reminders in my life. It's pretty intense. Oh, it gets real. Can you, like, chill? (laughs) I don't know. Just like a softer reminder? I don't know. Put, like, a smiley face in there. Yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. Ready for tweet of the day? Let's do it. It comes from Dan Sheehan. Being a grandpa must be tough. Some baby mispronounces a word, and suddenly your name is Peepo for the last 30 years of your life. 
That's how you gotta go out. You did all these things in your life. You accomplished all these things. You like, I fight wars to these people. <laughs> and they're out here calling you Nana. Like, I'm a member of the greatest generation. I'm about to deal with this shit. So mad you're throwing stuff. All right, coming up, Saeed is interviewing Oscar-winning actor and comedian Monique and her husband, Sydney Hicks. But up next, we're going live from the district. Welcome back. We're going live from the district. Here's a tweet from CBS News reporter Alan He. How long will today's Senate Intel interview with Michael Cohen run? Senator Burr, I think the last hearing lasted 10 and a half hours. I'm certainly planning accordingly. And BuzzFeed News' own Emma Loop responded, I'm ready. And look at that. She's got the pullout chair folding. She's ready. She's I got like the snacks. snacks. I like the snacks. She's got water bottles. It's important. It's important. Well, joining us now to talk about everything Michael Cohen is BuzzFeed News Capitol Hill reporter Emma Loop herself. Good morning, Emma. <laughs> Good morning. I've got the chair here. I'm ready to go. My snacks are in my bag. Uh, I'm heading there right after this. I love it. Emma is information. I did want to ask you, based on your experience, you covered the Hill, of course. What's the hardest part of covering such extended hearings like what we're about to see over the course of the next three days? You know, it's really just the boredom and the fatigue from standing around for so long, the waiting around, doing basically nothing, but having to remain vigilant in case they come out. And, you know, they don't always make it known that they're coming out. Sometimes they try to sneak out. So you have to remain vigilant, but for up to 10 hours. And so it can be difficult to uh, keep paying attention and also not get, you know, sore feet. Hence why I brought my chair. I love a bring your own chair situation. Yeah. I like that they don't provide those well, for you, you love guys. It, but yeah, no, <laughs> no, absolutely. <laughs> I, I agree. I agree. Well, listen, uh, speaking of waiting, Emma, these Cohen testimonies have been a long time coming. And uh, you wouldn't be faulted for maybe feeling a little burnt out. Cohen's just kind of a word you hear now. So remind tired. us, what are the stakes here? So the thing to keep in mind is that Michael Cohen, for several years, was basically Trump's go-to guy. This is a guy who is intimately familiar with how Trump operates and with some of the scandals that have plagued him both as a businessman and as the president. And so he does have credibility issues. You know, he's been he's been he's pled guilty to lying to Congress, but at the same time, he still knows stuff. Okay. Um, I know there will be several different types of hearings. Some will be closed doors, some will be open uh, for the public to kind of see. Um, I wanted to ask you about the closed door hearings happening today. Will we ever, you know, as everyday people, will we ever know kind of what happens during those conversations? Or is it, you know, just going to be only for uh, people on the Hill? Right, so that's a great question. There are three hearings this week, two of which are closed door, one of which is public. The closed door one today is with the Senate Intelligence Committee, which is arguably the most secretive committee on Capitol Hill. They've done a pretty good job at maintaining leaks as part of the Russia investigation. There hasn't been a lot of information that is leaked out of their investigation for you know several reasons. So I think today it is going to be difficult for us reporters to try to find out what happened behind closed doors. We're obviously going to try. That's our job. But I don't think you're going to see as much 
information out of this hearing as, say, tomorrow's hearing, which is obviously public, and the House Oversight Committee, and then with also the House Intelligence Committee on Thursday. You know, members of the House Intelligence Committee do the interviews as part of their investigation, unlike the Senate Intelligence Committee, where it's the staff members. And mem- members have a little bit more freeway leeway to, to speak with, with reporters afterwards. And so I think we'll find out a little bit more about what Cohen said out of the House Intelligence Committee hearing on Thursday rather than today's hearing. Okay, and can you speak a little bit more, Emma, about like basically the members that will be doing these uh, questions? Who should we be watching? Who should we be looking to? Who do we think are going to be asking the hard-hitting questions who are maybe going to be throwing some softballs? So during the House Oversight Committee hearing, you know, I think we're going to see some hard-hitting questions from both sides. I think Republicans are going to question the credibility of Cohen as a witness. They're going to point to the fact that he does have a history of lying. And I think Democrats are going to try to get to some core issues, uh, such as the campaign finance violations around uh, Stormy Daniels and other issues like that. Uh, and I think, you know, some some members to pay attention to, of course, on the Oversight Committee are those freshman uh, progressives. Uh, you know, AOC, people like that who are going to be, you know, asking some hard-hitting questions, have been very critical of the administration, uh, but also, you know, maybe uh, looking for the spotlight as well. Um, earlier this morning, I asked for people's thoughts on the upcoming testimony from Cohen, and, and most people said that they were somewhat burnt out, even if they were still planning on paying attention. So with that in mind, I wanted to ask you, you know, do we have a sense of what Cohen could say, um, and what are the stakes? Is there a, a situation in which this week could totally be upended by something he says during his testimony? So there has been some reporting as to what Michael Cohen plans to tell the Oversight Committee tomorrow. Uh, You know, apparently he's going to talk about racist statements that the president has made. He's going to talk about criminal conduct, but it's not exactly clear which kind of criminal conduct that Trump participated in. And other issues as they relate to the running of the Trump organization, Trump's personal business, uh, and, you know, his way of conducting business. And so there has been some reporting as to that. Uh, But in general, I think we're just going to have to wait and see to see just how explosive the statements that he makes are tomorrow. All right. Well, we will find out soon enough. Um, Lastly, we wanted to ask briefly about the Alva Johnson story that the Washington Post published yesterday. It was pretty explosive, her allegations of of the president uh, forcibly kissing her uh, during the 2016 campaign. Um, How has Congress responded to her allegations of misconduct since the story went live? You know, I haven't really seen much, if any, response from Congress to this. Um, And the White House has pushed back very strongly on this, saying that eyewitness accounts, um, you know, state that this never happened. And, uh, you know, just pushing back and denying that this ever occurred in the first place. And so there hasn't been much response from Capitol Hill here. All All right. right. Well, thank you so much for joining us, Emma. Thanks for having me. And good luck with the chair. Yeah, yeah. Good luck. All right, how about you, Twitter? Let's take it to the timeline. Are you keeping up with the Cohen testimonies? Are you going to be looking for that drip drip of information? Or are you just going to be waiting for somebody to tell you if something big happens? Let us know using the hashtag am to dm Up next, I sit down with star of Showtime's Black Monday, Casey Wilson. Stay happy tuned. endings, happy endings. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you.
This is The Sit Down, and I'm here with actor and writer Casey Wilson, one of the stars of Showtime's Black Monday. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing so well. Congrats on the show. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for coming on. We have a clip. Let's take a look real quick. Okay. You're not wearing a camouflage shirt to our engagement party, okay? Page six is covering this thing. All the most influential and judgmental socialites will be there, okay? Like, hmm. <laughs> so this is 80s, it's Wall Street. Did you have any knowledge of the history of that era? I did not, no. <laughs> uh, not as much as maybe I should have. I wasn't steeped in the financial aspects of it, just in the comedy portions. Let me, did you have to do a little research for it? No. Um, <laughs> I probably should have. No, I mean, I play Andrew Randall's somewhat abusive uh, wife, which I think is obvious from that clip. And so I just, you spoke from the heart. Yeah. That's what I know. That's what, that's what you're like, I actually know <laughs> yeah. how to be a really hard partner. You do, you play the heiress of a gene company? Yes, a gene fortune. Uh, kind of like based off of a, oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Did, did, you, did you have any uh, love of denim pre this show? I did. Are, are you finding joy in 80s le denim? I'm finding major joy in 80s fashion. I think I have the same love for denim that we most of us have, no more, no less, but I, I love the 80s fashion and like all of it's so crazy, and the hair. Like they're doing you up in these giant like denim gowns. They're doing me all right. They're it's, doing me, I got a lot of big earrings I take off to answer the phone, <laughs> a lot's happening. And you are, you mentioned it with Andrew Reynolds, you're kind of physical. Like you got, like tell me, what's it like working with him? Do you guys have that chemistry offset? We, well I don't hear I just him. made that sound really, no. you guys are getting like, Whoa. Argumentative as well. Argumentative. I mean, I don't hit him offset the way I do in the show, but I know. <laughs> but uh, we have, a, I think, a great chemistry. He's so much fun, and he's a, he's a dream. Every like man, woman, and child is in love with him when they meet him. Yeah. So, well, not child. <laughs> you know we're, doing, I mean? we're doing a likeable. lot of innuendos this morning, he's you and me. He's a likable guy. Yeah, he's yeah. a likable. Was there anybody else? It's such an incredible cast. Anybody else you were really excited to work with? So excited to work with Regina Hall, mm. um, who's so amazing from Girl Strip and so many shows, and Don Cheadle is mm. amazing. So I'm so honored. I know it's cheesy when people say it, but truly honored to work with them. Yeah, and again, it seems like you guys are having a lot of fun. We are. The show, it's, it's, it's from your husband, yes. Dave and Casp. And you guys met making doing the happy endings. Yes. You've worked together a lot in the past. Yes. How upset would you be? If I was fired? If, <laughs> yes, yeah. deal. It, I've heard it's on the, I'm on the chopping block. <laughs> no, sorry, continue. No, how upset would you be if, if like he did something and didn't cast you in it? Upset. Yeah. Really upset. No, I mean, he has to go his own way. I'm an actress, so I don't want it to seem like I'm always working with him or mm -hmm. vice versa, but we really love working together, And but I would kill him. What? <laughs> What's I'm, well, I'm glad you're in yeah. this project. What is the joy of working with him? It's just fun to get to be comedic, and you know, life is so busy and crazy. He writes the episodes and I act in them. It's just nice. We have two kids to get to see each other during the day, doing what we love, and I love it. Do you, having kids, like having those two kids, does that change your guys' approach to comedy or to write? Like, are you writing that into these? I think so. I mean, the show is a very hard comedy, like kind of, it's a lot of hard jokes and it's really, really funny, but more just changes my need to want to get home early, although I work hard. <laughs> yeah, you're like, hey, just putting it out yeah, there. Yeah, I, I gotta get out of here. I really do, I really I worked do. very hard on the show. <laughs> yeah, and it shows, and it really shows. Listen, Happy Endings obviously ended way too soon, no pun intended. Uh, do you think 2019 <laughs> is the year it gets brought back? 
<sighs> I feel every year we've been thinking it would be brought back, and I wish it would, but it kind of lives as its own thing where people have seen it and they're obsessed with it, or they haven't seen it. It's just kind of a runs the gamut, but I love the show so much. And and people discover it and 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 kind of love it anew. Yeah. You you you're Penny. Speaks to me, obviously. Yeah. How do you think Penny would deal with 2019? How do you make a year like this one uh, I good? Hope Penny would still be alive now. <laughs> <laughs> She's such a crazy character. I'm like, is she okay? <laughs> I don't know where she would be. I feel like she was teetering, uh-huh. um, just like a some crazy accident. Like, no, I think Penny is still probably a mess, running around with Max somewhere. Okay, Penny's God out, knows what. Penny's out there being a mess. Listen, yeah. you also have, of course, an incredibly popular podcast. Oh, thank you. Yeah, it's 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 really phenomenal. You guys do live shows, yeah. etc. Um bitch slash <sighs> I'm, I'm going to, you cover uh, a topic I'm not that familiar yeah, with. Do you sure. want to tell us what, what the podcast is that <laughs> yes, a little bit about? Yes, I will, because um, you have dignity. But it, it's a <laughs> podcast largely based on The Real Housewives and garbage television and garbage culture in general. In general. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so I'm going to play a game of Would You Rather. Okay. Housewives edition. Okay. You might have to help me a little I bit. Will. I and will. And it's not, trust me, I need you to know this about me as we meet in these seven minutes. Okay. I do not have dignity. Okay. Okay. I'm so feeling that. I, pre- <laughs> I really as appreciate that. going. All right. Would you rather <laughs> okay. help Bethany Frankel move or pet sit for Lisa Vanderpump? Um, uh, have Bethany move. Okay. I don't want to get on the wrong side of Lisa. Don't, don't put I yourself don't. in a situation where you could cross her. No, I can't be in harm's way. Understood, yeah. understood. Would you rather have NeNe Leakes run your Twitter account for a day <laughs> or have Lisa Rinna, yeah. Rinna, Rinna, sorry, as your life coach? <laughs> Rinna. <laughs> um, I would like Lisa Rinna as a life coach. She okay. is a hustler. She works so hard at her career, and she's got a great attitude, and she's not jaded, and I love her. Okay. And she's left her hair the same, so it's easy breezy. She just pops out of bed. <laughs> yeah. I got, like, half of those those, yeah. those references, yeah. but I'm, I'm trying to keep up. Okay. Would you rather go shopping for uh, Giovanni Dress <laughs> with Dorinda Medley <laughs> or be <laughs> Vicky Gunvalson's— Gunvalson. Thank you. Uh-huh. Maid of Honor. <laughs> that is Sophie's choice. Um, I think I would rather shop for Giovanni with Dorinda. Okay. Although, if Vicky's Maid of Honor's on the table, I'm also available. Well, I was going to say, would you be able to say no? No. No. If you got asked, you would do it. Uh, if any of them call me, I'm, I will step forth. <laughs> Absolutely. Would you want to have one of them on the, on the, on the podcast? No. Oh. I'm scared of them, but I know we like to talk <laughs> about them behind their backs the way God intended. Uh, you would you would worry that it would it would spoil it if you became too close. Yeah, I don't think I I don't think you want to get too too close to to this this gal. Although love them as I do. I love the journalistic integrity. Yeah, of bitch I don't sesh. exactly. I'm like Christine Omnipore. You know, I just think of me like that. <laughs> I'm in the trenches. That's, yeah. And you can't get too close to, to the folks you're talking can't about. Get too close. All right. <laughs> Would you rather see Melissa Gorga spinoff series? Or see a Kenya Moore spin-off Oh, Kenya series. Moore. Kenya Moore is a queen. Okay. Yeah, I love her. I'll uh, see anything she does. All right, and last one. Okay. Would you rather guest host Straight Up with Stassi? Mm-hmm. Guest DJ at TomTom. Guest DJ at TomTom. Guest DJ yeah. at TomTom. I'm happy to. What's the, op- what's the song? What's the opening song? Um, I Want to Dance with Somebody by Whitney Houston. All right. It gets things going. That's <laughs> Wait, I'm sorry. Everyone's I'm, I'm, like, what's happening? I'm really putting you on the spot here. What would your DJ name be? Oh, God. Oh, God. Uh, Housewives. Yeah, Housewives. <laughs> Housewives. DJ Casey Case. 
Ooh! But I know that's taking it back. No, that was that was well done. Well done. Thank you so much Thank for, you for joining us. Me. That was absolutely Appreciate wonderful. It. Everyone, please watch Black Monday, Sundays at 10 p.m. on Showtime. It's a hilarious show. Up next, Saeed is talking with Monique. Thank that you. That was wonderful. Thank We have a treat for you this morning, friends. Oscar-winning actor and, of course, comedian Monique and her husband, Sydney Hicks, join me now to get candid about a few things and set the record straight. Good morning to both of you. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for joining us. Okay, so, of course, the Oscars were this weekend, and, Monique, I wanted to ask you, you know, what are your thoughts on the awards now? What does it feel like to see uh, the Oscars continue to unfold? Well, when you say, what are my thoughts on the Oscars, my thoughts are what they've always been. It's another award show. Um, that's basically it. it. It's, you know, I think that for so long we put the Oscars in this place of it's the be all to end all. But what we're finding out is it's another award show. Right. Just another award show. And, th and this is for either of you, you know, because you, of course, have been in this business and supporting each other together throughout this story. Do you have advice, uh, you know, for new winners? Like you, you obviously, you know, you have a good, you know, holistic perspective. You know, what would you say to someone like Regina King this morning about things to keep in mind? Well, what we got to understand is Regina King is one of our living legends. Regina King has been around, baby, for a long time. So she's well deserving of that. And I don't think that there is any advice that I could give to one of our living legends on what to do with a trophy mm. because her career speaks for itself. So I don't think that she would need any advice on what to do now with a gold-plated trophy. Right. She's a queen <laughs> and a king with her Oscar now. Well, of course, your interview and your conversation with Steve Harvey rightly had everyone talking uh, for all kinds of reasons. Uh, was it the reaction you expected? The reaction from whom? The people or let, from... Let's start with the people. <laughs> well, you know, there were quite a bit, there were quite a few reactions from people. Um, I, I don't think that the reactions that were happening were surprising from both sides. Both sides reacted in a way that was not surprising. There were some people that said, listen, Monique, you keep standing for integrity. And there were some people that said, listen, Monique, listen to Steve and sit down and get that money. So the <laughs> it, was, it was a reaction both ways. Both ways. Um, Sydney, uh, what was going through your mind when you saw the interview? Um, I thought it was par for the course, and I thought it was an interesting dichotomy between you seeing someone that says that um, we're black out here. I can't, you know, stand for integrity and let my family crumble. I essentially have to get the money. And you see someone that says, you know, what good is money uh, without your integrity? Uh, I've oftentimes heard Steve speak in reference to uh, one's moral compass, uh, uh, his godly nature, in which I did not doubt. But then I've also heard people who quote the scriptures say, what good is it to gain the world but lose your soul? So it, it put me in that vein of, of thinking. Mm -hmm. Where it felt like, why are we being asked to make a choice between being successful and doing so with integrity? Um, Monique, uh, Steve Harvey has said that he misspoke during his interview with you. I would say he also talked over you a lot. Uh, do you accept his explanation for how that conversation went? <laughs> well, I haven't heard Brother Steve say he misspoke. Mm. I've heard people say he said it, but I have not heard him say 
he misspoke. Now, if that's what he said, then that's what he said. But what I will say is, I don't know how you misspeak on um, something of that nature. Right. So I, I don't know how you misspeak on it. But if that's what he said, then you would have to ask Steve Harvey what he what exactly did he mean when he said he misspoke. Right. And ever so humbly, there's video of him doing his stand up performance, I would guess, maybe eight to 10 years ago, whereby he said that the black community would be mad at him for if he was offered four million dollars, he would come in like a monkey with eating things off of himself. And if he was offered $10 million, he was swinging on the vine. That sounds to some degree uh, like a level of foregoing integrity for the sake of money. Mm. So, so knowing that, and, and you know, obviously this is something you both have thought a lot about, Monique, what was your goal in sitting down with him? What did you hope uh, to kind of accomplish in talking with Steve Harvey that morning? Well, you know, it was, two friends sitting down having an open and honest conversation that was long overdue. And that, that's what exactly happened. We had a conversation that was long overdue. Now, there was a whole lot that you guys didn't get a chance to see that was cut out. So when you say it appears as, as if Steve was talking over me, well, that's the parts that they chose <laughs> to keep in. <laughs> but it was a conversation that had to be had because when I say to a man that I've been knowing for over 25 years, yourself, Oprah Winfrey, Tyler Perry, Lee Daniels, you all said that I did nothing wrong privately, but none of you were courageous enough to say it publicly. And a lot of that was cut out from that conversation because when Steve Harvey does say, well, you know what, Monique, Oprah, Tyler and Lee Daniels and Lionsgate, they were wrong and they owe you an apology, but you owe them an apology too. And I said, Steve, you have to tell me what I'm apologizing for. Well, what you said, well, what I say on that comedy stage, I will not waver from, and I will not apologize for it because us as comedians, we actually get a chance to display our lives on stage and make it funny. So. It was two people sitting down having open and honest dialogue that was long overdue, and it's still long overdue. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and, and to that point, you, you mentioned um, Oprah Winfrey. If Oprah were looking into the camera right here, or basically standing where I'm standing, uh, what would you say to her? I would say, Oprah, have Sydney and I on Super Soul Sunday. You're the light that you are. I, I would love to see that conversation for sure. And, and, and what is, and you said, you mentioned with Oprah that it's long overdue. For people who perhaps haven't been following every aspect of it, uh, where does Oprah come into this conversation for you? Well, Oprah was one of the producers on the movie Precious. Oprah made the phone call to my husband and I wanting to have me come to one of the film festivals. And she was going to send her private jet. And I respectfully declined. I was spending time with my family. Then she and my husband had a conversation for about an hour. Was that that, was that that conversation? That wasn't that conversation, but the conversation we had that day was for a few minutes. And in reference to why I was not coming, she then said she understood. And we weren't wrong in the position that we were taking. Well, once you say that, and now you hear all this coming out, 
that I'm difficult and I'm demanding these things and, oh, they're so hard to work with. Well, you talk to us directly. And you said, I understand the position. But when it came out publicly that I was difficult to deal with and hard to work with and I wouldn't promote this movie, well, Oprah Winfrey, you knew the truth. And you never came out and said, guys, that's not true. Tyler Perry, you knew the truth. As a matter of fact, baby, there's a woman in your office that has the audio. Niala Orr. Of Tyler Perry saying, Monique did nothing wrong. And when my next movie come out, I'm going to go public and I'm going to say it. So with Lee Daniels on the phone with us, Mama, I, what you're doing is right, but I think it's going to be bad for you. So you have these powerhouse people saying, you're right, Steve Harvey. Mo, I know you're right, but could you have done it a different way? So you have these people all saying, I know you're right privately. But they all sat back and watched my career take a hit over a lie publicly. Publicly. Um, I asked people this morning if they had questions for you. Many people send their love, by the way. Um, Marcus Morris asked this. Um, Since it seems that some of the issues Monique has with Black Hollywood of a certain age, and I think that's an allusion to people like Tyler Perry, Lee Daniels, Oprah Winfrey, um, has she tried getting into production uh, production with younger people like Lena Waithe and Issa Rae, for example? Is that something you've been exploring or are open to? Well, we're open to things that make sense, baby. <laughs> if they're 8 to 80, it has to make sense. And let me address something else, too. It's not just Black Hollywood. It's Hollywood. And it's what's considered the powerful people. And these people that I'm addressing, they just happen to be Black. But right there is where we make the separation. They just happen to be Black people that are juggernauts in Hollywood because you're talking about billionaires. You're talking about moguls. You're talking about owners of magazines and networks and studios. So I don't want us to just limit this to Black Hollywood. Because what was behind them was Lionsgate, and it's not necessarily Black Hollywood, despite the fact that they may showcase Black content. Mm. Um, Well, Sydney, uh, you've compared what Monique has been through over the course of her career to the plight of civil rights leaders. Uh, Why make that comparison? Well, when you're dealing with inequality, this is what civil rights leaders were fighting for, equality for people. And what happens is, in their time, you had people who were of all shades of the spectrum who said, right is right and wrong is wrong. And essentially what we're saying here, when we break it down to the least common denominator is, treat people in the way that you want to be treated. If you as a reporter or a journalist or a person in the media is working for, in this case, BuzzFeed. And the Washington Post calls you and says, you do BuzzFeed so well, we want you to do a job for us. And you say, well, how much were you offering since we don't have any contract or anything between us? And they say, nothing. We just want you to come and do this for us. And you say, well, Uh, I appreciate the offer and the compliment, but I elect not to. And then the word on the street is that you are now difficult because you elected not to work for a powerful group of people. Do you think that would be fair? Mm. I think it's something I'd have to definitely think through. I'm not going to act like I'd be thrilled. (laughs) Do you think that would be fair? 
Do I think it would be fair? Uh, no, I mean, you need to get paid for your work, period. You know. So what happens yeah. is people are under the impression that Monique asked for more money mm-hmm. for the services that she rendered. She had a contract, an agreement with Lee Daniels Entertainment. That was it. Once she fulfilled her obligation in promoting the film, Oprah Winfrey, Lee Daniels, uh, I'm sorry, Oprah Winfrey and Tyler Perry got involved in conjunction with Lionsgate. Lionsgate, I got received a call because they said Monique did such an incredible job promoting the film. They wanted to know if she would be willing to promote the film for them internationally, which she was not obligated to do. After multiple times of respectfully declining their most gracious offer to do this for them for nothing, they then asked, well, what is it that we could possibly offer Monique in order to have her promote this film? And I said to them, was there a dollar amount that you had in mind that you wanted me to go back to her with? Trying to be an intermediary, which is my job. So at that point, they say, oh, no, well, we don't we don't pay people for promotion. We said we completely understand that. What she's saying is she does not work for people that she does not have a contract with unless she is purposely uh, executing work on behalf of a charitable reason or cause and a multi-billion dollar company is not someone she does charity work for. Mm. So to be ridiculed by the public for doing something that you just deemed as not being fair, this is no different than the civil rights movement because to be treated differently because of the color of your skin, is that fair? Mm. So you see the, the, you see the, exact uh, 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 exchange between then and now. Nothing is different. Nothing is different. Uh, well, Sydney Hicks, Monique, I appreciate you coming on the show this morning and frankly for continuing to talk about this because as you've noted, it is difficult. Um, it is not easy um, and it, you know people are ready to challenge at any term, but I would say you know, as someone working in media at the age of 33 myself, uh, you know, many of us certainly have benefited uh, from the work you've done um, and the way you've advocated, even if people feel differently. So thank you both for joining us this morning. Thank you, my love. And I hope I get a chance to see everyone this weekend at the SLS Hotel in Las Vegas. Monique does Vegas, baby. Absolutely. That's her Vegas residency at the SLS Hotel and Monique and Sydney's open relationship that's on YouTube. You can watch that to continue to follow their story. Thank you, guys. Thank you, baby. All right. Up next, I'm talking to How to Get Away with Murder star Rome Flynn. Stay tuned for that. Welcome back. I'm here with actor Roan Flynn, star of How to Get Away with Murder and the upcoming movie, A Medea Family Funeral. Good morning. Good morning. Thanks for being here. I mean, you came into How to Get Away with Murder, like, you know, ready to stir things up. Yeah. <laughs> I, got, I got lucky, you know. It could have could have been very different, but uh, I'm thankful. Incredible. Sure. Well, so, of course, the season finale is about to air. Yeah. I understand this is a difficult question, but, like... Can you tell us anything? Are we going to um, be happy? Are we going to be hurt? Is Viola going to hurt our feelings again? <laughs> no, listen. Thursday, season finale. Mm-hmm. If I give you anything, it just gives the whole thing away. Because okay. it's that, it's that like, tight. Yeah. Like, on information. So, okay. uh, I can tell you, it will be, like, a big reveal. 
as it always is, but I feel like this one even more. Even more so. Than, than, than last season. Okay, so all of those, like the images of her dancing at the beginning of the yeah. season and all that, that all comes together. Oh, yeah. You know, we tie in some things and then other things get untied. That's okay. just how it is. That's just the nature yeah. of the show. What I have to ask you, I'm a huge fan of Viola Davis, and, yeah. you know, both on, on the silver screen and, you know, in the movies as well. Uh, what's it like working with her? Uh, you know, uh, it's a blast uh, over you after you get over the fact that you're working with, you know, Viola Davis. You Seems know intimidating. I mean? So yeah, uh, it, it can be, it yeah. can be. But no, she's a great person. Mm-hmm. You know, she makes you feel welcome. She's very gracious. You know, as far as in, in scenes and mm-hmm. things like of that nature. But uh, no, it's been great to work with her and learn from her. You know, I'm just, I'm a sponge. Yeah. On set. I love it. Um, you know, she's spoken a lot about representation and, and so thoughtful about it. Is that a conversation you've gotten to have with her? Do you think about that as well? You know, well? She, she does speak publicly, like, you know, to the cast about that stuff. And also, I'm, I'm the same way. Mm-hmm. Um, I know representation matters, especially for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I was on The Bold and Beautiful, that's when I came to the realization of what how impactful it was mm. uh, for me to understand the responsibility that I had mm-hmm. uh, as a black actor, especially on daytime television at that time. It, w- mm-hmm. it wasn't that many people, especially around my age. Mm-hmm. So um, about a year and a half into doing that show, um, uh, one of my mentors, Obababa Tunde, you know, he kind of pulled me aside and mm-hmm. told me, uh, kind of gave me the lay of the land, mm-hmm. you know, and sort of told me that it was my responsibility to be conscious of that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I definitely... I appreciate that. With every role that, I, that I've ever done, I always keep that in mind. Right. And I mean, you know, I was just talking to Monique about, you know, some of the similar issues, right? How do you navigate Hollywood, yeah. go for opportunities while also, like, thinking about your integrity? And you mentioned responsibility. Yeah. How do you do it? Like, is it hard? Uh, you know, does it require a lot of strategy? You know, I, I don't think so, um, for me anyway. Uh, because I'm coming into this with, with everything that, that I started with. Mm-hmm. You know, I wasn't born into doing anything like this, you know. Okay. So you didn't think you were going to be, you weren't planning no, on No, no, I mean, uh, no, I mean, most of my, majority of my life had nothing to do with any arts at all. Mm-hmm. You know it's like I mean? basketball, so, right? Basketball, yeah, I played basketball basically my whole life. So uh, coming into a situation where uh, I have to think about that, it doesn't necessarily deter me mm-hmm. in any way. If, if things don't work out based on my beliefs on what I believe to be uh, important to me, mm-hmm. then it just doesn't work out. It wasn't for me. So mm-hmm. I, I never hang on to those things. And it's, it's not hard to me to, to hang on to your integrity. Mm, at all. Um, you're also, of course, going to be in a new franchise, uh, yeah. in the Medea Family Funeral, which comes out this Friday. Uh, what's it like working with Tyler Perry? I heard he doesn't do rehearsals? No rehearsals. I didn't know that. Yeah, um, first time on set. Mind you, I had just met Tyler, uh, uh-huh. and, and I, I didn't know anything about okay. how he worked on uh-huh. set, right? So I, I had done other things, you know? So I went on set initially like, hey, uh, all right, let's do a rehearsal. Mm-hmm. You know, I started uh, reading, uh, I think it was with uh, one of my castmates for Medea's Family Funeral, mm-hmm. and uh, everyone was quiet, so they were just watching me do this rehearsal. So he's just sitting, he's just sitting there looking at me, right? He's like, <laughs> he's like you done? Yeah, we don't we do not do rehearsal in here. He okay? let you, you do come that in and be ready. Whole... Yeah, so everyone was laughing. Wow. It was all funny, but yeah, I was like, oh, my fault, my fault. But it just goes to show you, like, he works very efficiently, mm-hmm. and he picks actors that can pick it up on the fly and, and mm-hmm. can bring their own personality and flavor to whatever roles that he puts them in. Mm-hmm. What was uh, what was it? What's something about working with Tyler Perry that we might not know? I mean, I didn't know he doesn't do rehearsal, but what's yeah. something else like that? Um, I would say another thing that, that surprised me mm-hmm is uh, working on the set with Tyler is, is very much like a, like a family. Okay. I know, and some sets are like that, but one thing that kind of stood out to me was uh, the representation of, uh, like, black people, mm-hmm. like my people, you know, mm-hmm. uh, the people that are part of the cast. Like, everybody 
behind the camera, the grip, people, you know, for me as an actor, before that point, I hadn't really seen, you know, maybe black cameramen, mm. you know, so going there, he kind of, he employs all different, like, diversities, mm-hmm. but for me, it, it was really cool to see that, you know, and then we pray before every scene, I mean, before uh, before we start shooting for the day, Okay. so it kind of sets the tone, and, and you know, he, he's a great leader in that aspect, and uh, definitely a lot of respect for him. Cool. Well, you've talked about representation. Uh, someone on Twitter, uh, Maya, uh, had this to say. Uh, when they finally give us uh, Miles Morales as Spider-Man, I want Rome Flynn to play him uh, because he looks so fucking pure. Uh, <laughs> and as a skinny actor, which I guess is important for Spider-Man. You know, he's like a skinny guy. Plus, he's yeah. Afro-Cuban. Uh, do I say more? Uh, would you be up for playing Spider-Man? Of course. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already putting it out there. I mean, I, I think it would be great. I mean, I, I want to do something along those lines, if it's not Spider-Man, but just mm-hmm. some sort of representation of uh, a black superhero, mm-hmm. man, like, but on a, on a major, you know, platform. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, there's shows like Black Lightning now. Yeah. It's really great. Mm-hmm. You know, shout out to China McClain. She's, mm-hmm. she's great in that. That's my girl. But I, I feel like it's time for us to uh, sort of broaden our, our spectrum mm-hmm. on that. Uh, and, and I mean, I would... If I'm lucky enough, would love to do it. For okay, sure. right on. Now that tweet from Maya was very nice and thoughtful. I think you you do look like she went for Miles Morales, like <laughs> a casting director's guys. Um, we looked for other tweets about you, Uh-oh. and there were many tweets that you know were pretty bold. I curse on okay. the morning show. You know, I probably curse a lot this morning. But there were some tweets where I was like, "Oh, well, we can't read that. That is not appropriate." There, the thirst was, you know, people are dehydrated out there. I'll say that. So. <laughs> It's like wow, a lot of yeah. a lot of screenshots, a lot of gifts. Yeah. You know, the, okay, there you are playing basketball yeah. uh, on yeah. how to get away with murder. How do you? What's that like? You know, are you are you looking at all the tweets and all the you know the Instagram and everything like that, or do you? No, no, you know. Um, <laughs> first of all, I love y'all. Like y'all are the greatest to me. Uh, y'all y'all keep me going honestly, and uh, I've been very lucky with mm-hmm. the with the reception that I've gotten from mm-hmm. fans from the shows and stuff that I've been on, but. Um, I don't. I don't try to pay attention too much to it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really buy into it. Not like, like, okay, I got to go to the gym today, and you're like, let me check Twitter once. Like, okay, no, no, I, you know, because okay. sometimes it, those things can kind of, depending <laughs> on what you see, it can yeah. kind of change your perception of what your reality is. And, and for me, um, it's important that I stay grounded. You know, and I mean, also I appreciate when y'all thirst. You know, because I, I I do see it sometimes, and I definitely like it, but. Uh, at the end of the day, like whether people like me or or, or not, you know, it, it doesn't. Uh, I try not to let it affect me mm-hmm. because you know, I, I want like longevity yeah. in this business, and and I think one of those things is is making sure you like stay grounded into who you are. That's good. Yeah. To you. That's good to 100%. hear. Well, it was so nice to meet you, Rome. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Thanks I'm, for having I'm, me. I'm, I'm a little scared because how to get, get away with murder season finales are yeah. terrifying. Definitely. Uh, but we'll, we'll be it. Okay. <laughs> we'll be shooketh. Well, friends, the season finale of How to Get Away with Murder is on Thursday at 10 p.m. on ABC. And a Medea family funeral is in theaters everywhere this Friday. Up next, Isaac and I read more of your tweets. Also, shout out to his leather shout jacket. Shout out to me. So, and you. Yeah, and me? the leather jacket. Oh, yeah, this leather. This is a mirror. It's very fancy. That was such a wonderful leather jacket. It was really good. He said it was from Amiri, if just you want to know the designer. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Just bright, red, easy to look at. Just a Are you using- lovely leather jacket. <laughs> the jacket looks smooth. Bet it smelled good. <laughs> 
<laughs> You're really proud of yourself, aren't you? Yeah. Really good. I also feel like he he should definitely play Miles Morales. So I was like, oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Not gonna, that leather jacket should definitely play. Oh no, I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. Yes. I also feel like he could like play like I don't know. Like there was like a, a sprightliness to him. Mm. I watch The Magician, so I'm always like... You <laughs> you're, know? Trying to, you're trying to get him in a fancy <laughs> film? Yeah, totally. Remake of Lord of the Rings? Yes. You got that oh. arrow guy with We the... have talked about the fact there needs to be an all-black remake of Lord of the Rings. There you so. go. Oh, he could be... Um... Legolas. Yes. Is that Ooh. how you say it? Legolas? no idea where that came from. That I, you were looking at me, I was like, there's That's no way Lando I'm going to remember. Character? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Legolas. 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 You know what was nice? Casey Wilson, while we're... She has a long-time writing partner. really She was fantastic. She was like... It's really great. She's like, I can tell you guys are friends. She's like, I know you you guys aren't just doing this. And that was <laughs> That's really... always comforting, frankly, when people say it that. Is. It is. Because every once in a while, people are like, y'all are just really good at this. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> Not at all. All right. Well, <laughs> we asked you uh, something you know you shouldn't keep doing, but you keep doing it. Uh, Shelly J had this to say, reading the comments. Oh, Shelly. I always read the comments. Don't read the comments. I don't know. I've come back around. What is Twitter more than just a big comment, like, talk thing? You know what I'm trying to say. We get paid to do it. That, that's <laughs> and, may, and maybe Shelly doesn't. But I'm just saying, sometimes, Ooh. you know, there's a diamond in the rough trying to look at that There are moments. Stuff. There are moments. But but it does come at a cost. It can be intense. Particularly, you know, like, if, if you're writing essays and, and, you know, publishing work and, and then, you know, someone who, like, doesn't even bother to read it, they maybe saw the headline or whatever, and then there, it's, it can be a lot. And, you know, there's a lot of harassment, too. And there's a lot of terrible shit out there. And Ooh. I was going to say that, obviously, uh, after That's our conversation with Facebook and Casey this morning. Oh, anyway, heart. we wanted to know about a time you got in trouble for cursing as oh, a yeah. kid. Corgi says, I was in middle school, and I was telling a friend about a Doom mod and the readme that accompanied it. I kind of knew what that meant. Me. I remember laughing hard at it, so I was recounting the whole thing and said, shit, really loud. Teacher didn't care. Uh, sorry, teacher did care. Didn't start class until someone fessed up. Got my only day of detention. Oh, because you were like so caught up and having mm. a good, you just like, you weren't even trying to, oh, that's, mm. that's kind of cute. Uh, also, your only day of detention, congratulations. Well, I mean, if he was, if, if Corgi was so moved by a read me, Doc, mm. I would argue he's probably <laughs> pretty well behaved, too. And I'm just, wow! Venturing to- Making some real assumptions <laughs> about Corgi, Saeed! That's, you don't know their life? <laughs> just like, did you get a lot of detention? Yeah, man, I got a lot of, I got suspended. I was almost not allowed to walk at graduation. We don't need to get it all. Oh, yeah. Oh, really? Oh, yeah, I missed prom. Uh, oh, my God. I me, me and my buddy got kicked out of school. We were written oh, you have told me this. as king and queen. Yeah, you've told me this. Yeah. Um, I, in the ninth, I don't know what was, I mean, puberty. Ninth grade, I was in detention all the time, in fact. I was in detention so much that I actually just, like, made up an extracurricular club. Uh, to explain the consistency for why I was like getting home like an hour and a half. To like, your mom? For an entire year. I thought you meant like you made a cool little group in the detention called like oh, the no. detention gang. Are you kidding me? No, you mean this you, ain't the Breakfast Club. I don't talk to people. You told your mom. Uh -huh. was, do you remember what it, you were like taking up swimming? Yeah. What was the? No, I think it was like a club that existed or something. I think you I was joined like, the, I was probably the like UN. the Writers Guild or something, which I was totally. Ah, that's <laughs> really great. Well, Miss Carrie had not to say that you shouldn't also use the strategy, children, um, or that you're watching. The show right now. Miss um, Carey had this to say about my conversation with Monique and her husband, Sydney. Monique represents the get money with integrity ilk, here for it all day because we need to change the conditions black women have to contend with in the world. She is doing the very hard work salute. Yeah. That was a deep conversation. I'm, I'm going to have to go back and watch it mm -hmm. because, as you know, 
mm-hmm. when you're interviewing someone, mm-hmm. sometimes you're like listening so hard you can't even like kind of process it. But yeah, I do mean what I said. Like I don't know. I think you know she's been in this business for like 25, 30 years, and I think there are things where. For her generation, and that's Lee Daniels, that's Oprah, that's Tyler Perry, there were things that were accepted and were norms at the time. That My sense is that she was like, this shouldn't be the norm. Mm -hmm. Uh, And now, you know, I mean, just on Twitter, we talk about securing the bag, like all this kind of, like, so I think think things have changed. Um, But I think there's often a cost, clearly right in different industries, to sometimes being ahead of that curve. And and I think, unfortunately, like, as she said herself, like, she's like, my career took a hit. Right. You know what I mean? And right. I just, I don't know. I, I, however you feel about Monique, I admire that she continues. Like, she's consistent. The story hasn't changed. Um, and, and that's, you know, and she hasn't disappeared. She's not, you know, just like, I'm not going to talk anymore. I'm sorry. Right. Like, she's staying true to it. And that is the definition of integrity. And I think that's the thing that we're seeing right now is more of these stories are coming out of Hollywood where you are actually getting to see behind the curtain a little yep. bit and not everything was what you thought it was. So thank you to Monique and her husband, Sydney Hicks. Thank you to Casey Newton, Emma Luke, Casey Wilson, and Rome Flynn. There was a lot of Casey's, and Rome Flynn, of course, uh, not to mention the leather jacket. <laughs> also, Rome Flynn is like a great name. So that's kind of a superhero name. It is apt. There you Rome go. Rome Flynn. You're just going to write a script. That's it. Just as soon as we walk off set. <laughs> All right, we will be back here tomorrow. Tomorrow is... Wednesday. Wednesday. We will see you at 10 a.m. Have a great day. I know it's like 24 hours later, but um, I will continue to say, fuck the green book. Fuck oh, it. wow. A throwback. That's a, a curse word. throwback. <laughs> <laughs>